Blog Talk Radio. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee, I up. Could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up. The cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst. A fiend drops a Heineken. Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rap to the death of it. So everybody come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, we're not. Out. This is what now is about, nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic. One mic. One mic. All I need is one mic. One mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic. One mic. One mic. All powers to oppress people. African power to African people, black power to black people. It's your brother, your host, national chairman, Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, coming to you again on another Tuesday, our political education day. And I, you know what? I always look forward to these days because I know how vital political education is to the revolutionary movement, to us as a people, so we're not just running in circles. Like I always use the example like a hamster on the wheel just spent going anywhere. Today's show, man, we're going to be talking about cultural, political socialization and the revolution, political socialization and the revolution. And why this is important is because, just like I alluded to earlier, we tend to use the terms revolutionary, revolution, change, and all of these words that we've grasped from the 60s and from our predecessors who came before us without having any real clear-cut vision or any real clear-cut understanding of what we mean by socialization, political socialization, the need for a revolutionary culture, um, and the need um, uh, and how that affects the revolution. We're going to, I had this wonderful book called Black Political Thought by one of my mentors, Dr. Ahmed Muhammad, and he talks about it, and I just wanted to open up with a little passage when he talks about uh, discussing socialization and the need for an an African here in America cultural revolution. He says that the African-American culture is rich and can become very revolutionary if properly politicized. Culture provides the people with a continuity, continuity and is a part of the superstructure of any society, which is an institution within itself. Coach is the mass transmitter of ideas and provides the people with the spirit necessary to wage a protracted struggle for national liberation, being subjected and oppressed by the neo-imperialists, 
we as a people suffer cultural imperialism, which is uh, which is the systematic crushing, manipulating, deluding, and controlling of our culture to the benefit of the Western capitalist world. They project their versions of our culture to propagate the cultural ideas of a capitalist mentality and lifestyle. What is Dr. Muhammad telling us? He's telling us, and he uses, he goes through the history to break it down to us how revolute resistance and revolution from the first time that we were put in shackles became a very part of our nature. The human being's very nature is to resist any type of oppression. And when this revolution became a part of our nature and them understanding that revolution being a part of the nature, a change, a yearning to be free from oppression being a very part of the nature, they set into motions the various institutions to counter that. The first institution, they use three main institutions in this today. And we'll discuss those three main institutions that they use to misdirect the revolutionary movement and those professing to be revolutionaries. The three main institutions that are used are the church, the school, and the media. And we know when we came over here in slavery that how the church was used to begin to misdirect us. And now how our schools are being used in the media, and particularly social media, began to being used to misdirect us. But we look in, when we look in the early after the, um, we look at the idea of revolution from the revolutionary was we understood that the basis of the revolution was especially a proletarian revolution, a working class revolution, or from the working class people, was the grasp of land. Our people understood that at the turn of the century in the 19, um, from 1865 to 1885, we were clamoring for a redistribution of land with 40 acres and a mule. We knew that this was necessary. And how did they counter that? They counted it with the bourgeoisie movement, with a bourgeoisie movement. They began to infest us with these bourgeoisie ideas. For those of us that may not know what the bourgeoisie is, the bourgeoisie can be defined as the middle class or a uh, or a group of people whose social behavior and political views are, Ill, are, are heavily influenced by the private property, uh, uh, private property interest, the middle class, that they have some ties in the system, the private property system, the system is paying them. They believe in their freedom. We, I like to call them the reformists. They believe that their freedom lies in being involved in the system, not changing the system, but being involved in the system, agglomating, being assimilating, integrating into this system, and that we'll find freedom. And we find these two contradictory points throughout revolutionary movement of African people here in America. They have always had that class. When we go into, we find, um, when we go into the 20s with the Garvey movement for self-determination, self-reliance, there again, the bourgeoisie movement, the leftists propagated the bourgeoisie movement. When I say the leftists, I'm talking about, and a lot of you brothers and sisters who are here to this Marxist, Leninist, this Communist Party stuff, find out what they sponsored. It wasn't a support of, because their struggle has always been a class struggle. If they can get you caught up in this class struggle thing, 
and get you to thinking that if you can move into a bourgeoisie status, a middle class, a so-called middle class status, you're only always petty bourgeoisie. That's what you always only are, petty bourgeoisie. You're below even the middle class. You may be a little higher than what you think the proletarian or the lumping proletarian, the working class, or those below the working class are, but you're still petty bourgeoisie. But those, they instituted a bourgeoisie movement, you know, with the Du Bois. Yeah, study it. The Du Bois, to go against the teachings of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, whom they claim was bourgeoisie and, a, and, and pushed a utopian type of teaching. But they begin to have these classes to contradict us. And so you find this thinking today prevalent in African people right here. That even when we send our children to a school, what I like to call the literate proletarian, the people who can get a higher education and begin to come back and serve the masses of people, to begin to aid and benefit the masses of people, we find those people influenced by this, uh, by the capitalist culture, materialism, bombarded by this lifestyle, by this capitalist culture of materialism and, and condoning that lifestyle, separating themselves from the reality of the masses of African people. 80 to 85 percent of us, those that are still working, fall into the proletarian class, the working class or, or the lumping class. 85 percent of African people here. So to think that you will be um, to think that you will be integrated into this society because you have a degree or that you will be accepted in this society and that this is the out for African people here is a farce. It's an illusion. It's not realistic. So the religious or so the revolutionary the revolutionary must begin to tackle these three institutions. I think on one of my posts I put up today that the revolutionary culture offers as an alternative institutions to counter the institutions they have that propagate an oppressive society and an oppressive lifestyle to us. So we must begin to combat these institutions, the religious institutions, the schools, the, the, the media, and it starts with the journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep. We at the People's Black Panther Party believe in a revolutionary theology. We don't throw out the theology. We understand the very nature. See, I don't think that one of the things that has to happen is we have to sit down as African people and be realistic and be practical. Let's get out of the empty um, uh, emotion-filled rhetoric. You know, let's stop wanting to be whipped up into a frenzy, to want some feel-good, someone to come on and start – making us feel good with a lot of empty promises, a lot of solutions that are unrealistic because we haven't challenged ourselves or put our, pushed ourselves and our revolutionaries haven't become analysts and theorists and, and strategists and tacticians. They haven't really looked at our situation and come up with practical solutions that we can begin to at least try to implement and interact to enact to begin to free us from the shackles of oppression by this capitalist imperialist state. We haven't done it. We don't want to push ourselves. So now is the time to push ourselves. So we see that we, so us at the People's Black Panther Party, we don't not, we understand that spirituality is a, is very um, integral with, 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 with is an integral part of life for African people here. So we don't say, you know what, throw your religion out the window, but we challenge you, we challenge the churches to have a black revolutionary theology, 
a black liberation theology. Allow that theology, allow that spiritual belief to be for the upliftment, the empowerment, the advancement of African people. So we're challenging our spiritual people and our black pastors and imams and rabbis and all the like to begin to do this. The school systems, taking very practical approaches, school PTA meetings, sitting on school boards. We must begin to push a revolutionary culture. Let's question the curriculum. Question the curriculum put out there to our children, what our children are taught, how our children are slowly being, not only is it the uh, school, the, the, the prison pipeline thing going on, that they build prisons based on third and fourth grade aptitude tests, but they're also beginning to condition our children to be accepting of an oppressive society with the hopes and the uh, the illusion of them being included in this oppressive society and in the media, and we know about that. Let us begin to check ourselves on these social medias and things like that and begin to control our image and our character that is put out there. These are the three basic found, the three basic institutions that they use to control us. So what am I saying? Basically what I'm saying is we must have a revolutionary culture clearly defined the revolutionary is a type. The revolutionary is a type. If you're doing the same nigger mess that you were doing before, you had given or pledged your allegiance, your resources, in a lot of instances, your life to the movement. If you're doing the same thing you were doing before the movement, you haven't really grasped or truly come to an understanding of what the movement is about and what you should be about. The movement, revolutionary culture, isn't about pointing the finger at everyone else. The revolutionary understands that the revolution starts within him or herself, that that's the very beginning, that they understand that they is one of the institutions that they use against us, and here it is, this is the crazy part. One of the institutions that they use against us is our very homes. We are the biggest, the biggest proponents, conveyors of a, of a imperialist, capitalist, racist system, white supremacist system in our homes. We bring this into our homes. So it begins with us. It begins with understanding the things that are used against us. And once we understand the things used against us and understand what category we fall in, and it truly what we're fighting for, we're fighting for the communalization, the socialization. See, we're scared of that word. I, I like that word, socialization. You have these people, oh, that's socialism. You have these people have you scared and frightened of words that are just common, basic sense. But we're socialization of African people, the political socialization, the revolutionary, the cultural socialization of African people, and still subconsciously, buying into and buying an integrationist mentality, an assimilationist mentality, pushing this to our children. For a lot of us, this is a pastime. This is a hobby. This is what we do on the side. This is, you know, our little clique, our, our um, country club, for lack of better words. And we push our children through these schools and never at the same time indoctrinating our children with a revolutionary thought or revolutionary ideology. One, because a lot of us are scared of the word revolution. 
I think it was the uh, last poet that said niggas are scared of revolution. We're scared of we're scared of revolution. So we have to um, begin to understand this revolutionary philosophy. Understand what acts contrary to revolutionary philosophy. Understanding that the African cultural revolutionary is to purge the negative aspects of European and capitalist bourgeoisie and to deal objectively with the reality that there are some positive aspects that we've learned through our experience, which can benefit us in building a positive new world, but for the most part, we have to be able to distinguish between the two. This is the importance of, of cultural revolution. I'm not going to, my phone lines are always open. I see you on, you're listening to Independent Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm your host, Chairman, National Chairman Yang Nkrumah. Press one if you want to be recognized. I would love to know what you think the biggest holdbacks to a revolutionary culture is and how we can uh, begin to change that. Let me go to my phone lines, too, because I, I have my dear brother on. I'm so glad he called. So glad he called. Chairman, Brother Sam. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your, 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 your mic is open. Yeah, as uh, usual, all power to the people. Power to the press people all over the world. All powers. All uh, powers. It's amazing uh, how timely your subjects are that you present. Uh, to your listeners, uh, uh, a day don't go by that the struggle is not alive and well. Uh, only time that happens is when you pass into these other worlds, which I know not about. But uh, in this life here and in the afterlife, the struggle continues because even in the afterlife, our ancestors come back usually when we're asleep and they whisper words of wisdom and encouragement to us. And we wake up in the morning with a, with, with a new attitude, wondering where it came from, because ancestors had just whispered in our ear while we were asleep to keep on keeping on. But having said that, uh, the subject is timely in more ways than one, uh, because I was in the middle of writing uh, uh, a paper on uh, – just that topic, not as complete as the one that you brought to the radio show. It involved cultural isolation and socialization. And like you said, Brother Chairman, we don't seek integration. We seek socialization. And that question is always presented. You know, do we know the definitions of these words and how these words affect our day, everyday life? And we should study these words. I don't want to go into all four of them, cultural, political, socialization, and revolutionary, but it's it's worth uh, for all the listeners that don't know these definitions and how these definitions relate to the black man in America. They should look them up and apply the definition to our current decadent situation. But you know, Chairman, I wish you would. I wish you would go into it. A little bit of uh, little the bit difference of, between us seeking integration, seeking integration and fighting for socialization. We we are always on a path, and that's the march of of uh, human nature, and that's the march of civilization. All civilized societies are on a path, 
the Muslims pray about it in their prayer all the time. Uh, lead me, lead me down the right path, and not the path in which those who go astray. And uh, so we're always on a path. Uh, how we choose when we come in the fork in the road, depending upon our knowledge of self and our knowledge of the information that has come before us to give us an idea of which way to turn, which path to go down. We've been sent down a lot of bad since we've been here in the United States, and a lot of them is due partly to uh, uh, the, the bourgeoisies. Uh, uh, they have to take responsibility for the things that they've written uh, in our defense, supposedly, <clears throat> where they had uh, access to the government back then and how they chose to be the spokesperson for us with the government and basically told the government what they thought should happen to us and how the government should behave and how we should behave. They didn't come and ask us, you know, this is what they thought based upon their theories and the way they looked at the political, economic, and social conditions of the time. I'm not going to get into name calling, you know, but um, a lot of times it ain't all what you think it is. You have to be careful about who you're listening to and what they're trying to tell you. But to the point about integration and socialization, so we don't seek integration. You cannot force integration on anybody, and it's wrong to force integration on anybody. That should be an individual choice or a choice that derives directly out of self-preservation to decide whether or not somebody wants to be a, a part of something that's never accepted them as part of the whole. So when you say you want to integrate, you want to integrate into a system or society that's not whole, that is not equal, that is segregated, and that it evolves and operates on. So you want to integrate into that, well, more power to you. That's not what I want. You know, I was born a citizen of the universe, a citizen of the world, and I'm going to die as such. You know, nobody, no group, no institution, no society, no government is going to tell me as an African-American, as a black panther, as a black man, that my philosophy and the way I look at the world as it is, based upon those that came before me, is incorrect, and I need to accept their way so I can be continually brutalized, left downtrodden, not getting enough money to leave, to live to live a good life, not having my citizens, my cities built so that they're not in blighted conditions, ensuring entrepreneurship, ensuring that the table is equal and everybody's playing with a level playing field. Now, having the fact that you haven't done that, but you want them to be, become a part of that, well, I reject that, that suggestion. So I don't want to integrate into this kind of a system. Socialization is another question. Socialization is basically because what is social? To be friendly, to interact with other people, individuals, or groups. Not necessarily of like-minded, but also have some sort of interaction with them, socialization with them, to get along with them. We are social people by nature. It's because of our social nature that got us in a lot of trouble we're in today because we allowed ourselves to be approached and to be attacked and to be fooled by those that didn't mean us any good. And as a result, they enslaved the free people and brought us over here to this country. 
So we need to redirect our understanding of socialization. What we want, we want an evil level playing field. No matter where we go in this government, don't care where we go, we want to be treated equal. We want all the equal rights, privileges, and responsibilities to go with it. It's not a debate. It's not debatable. Because you want to force us into this debate leaves us with no alternative to adopt a revolutionary stance. We adopt a revolutionary stance based upon the social system because we believe that things need to be changed. And revolution is our means of changing things. Now, we've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of complications, because when it comes to revolution and the definition of revolution relating to social conditions, the first thing we want to do is go kill one another. We want to go fight one another. But when it comes to standing up for what affects us as a group, we're divided. So that's a problem there, right? So we need to figure out, we need to put all this little bullshit stuff aside, stop killing one another, stop putting one another down, stop destroying another, one another, stop all this, this revenge, this animosity. Sooner or later, we're going to have to break bread and we're going to have to reconcile, come together as a people. We got to come together as an organization. We got to come together as a group. Until we do, there is no fucking word that socialization relates to us because we have forgot how to be social with one another. We have forgot how to live with one another as different groups and different individuals. So if you want to understand revolution and you want to understand socialization, you need to think about what it is that you're doing and whether you're part of the problem are part of the solution, whether you've done your research, you've done your studying, you did your history, and you understand what you're talking about because you are going to be made accountable to what comes out your mouth. You are going to be made yeah. accountable yeah. for your dues and your actions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, but I, I, I you know, know what I'm thinking about. I think, am I getting an echo? Am I getting an echo? I'm, I want to hear the mic open. Yeah, if you can mute your phone until you're ready to come back in, Brother Chairman, so I don't have to mute you because I want to leave your mic open. So, okay, yeah, so when you're ready to come back in, just, I, you know, one of the things that you were talking about, like you said, the animosity and the difference but that we have, the differences we have and how we've magnified them and blown them up out of proportion. One of the things that I'm always speaking about our shows is because of this cultural genocide, this neocolonialism. I don't think that a lot of these so-called revolutionaries have a clear picture of what they are asking for. I think that they're angry, that we've become reactionary. You know, I see it in our protest. I see it in um, our language when I look on Facebook, not proactive, but reactive. And we've become reactionary. Also, you know, we, we haven't become students of history. Those of us in, the, in this generation now and are blessed to have, and I'm talking to my listeners out there, that are blessed to have the likes of Chairman Trinnell and these Chairman Kahars and still these uh, Bobby Seals and so on and so on, uh, 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 Wahab, Ben Wahab from East, West Coast, whatever. We still have um, predecessors, even our political prisoners that you can write to and get some insight from. We must become students of history. And one of the things when we become a student of history, we'll begin to understand the insurgency led against the counterinsurgency by the state led against the revolutionary. 
we look at the 1960s when this new era, when this new leadership came up, you know, the so-called civil rights movements or during the civil rights movement, what the um, revolutionary movement or the black power movement was birthed out of. Um, we look at how the bourgeoisie and a lot of the, the leftists really promoted that mentality of integration, of um, uh, assimilation, you know, and how they attacked it hard because the new leadership was calling for uh, scientific, political, scientific, political ideology and armed struggle. I mean, you can look, when you read their writings, when you listen to their speeches, they were taken through a whole new venue. And not only were they calling for these things, I think one of the things that made, you know, I, we, we, we romanticized the revolution. I think that a lot of brothers and sisters, and I'm not, I hope that I'm not being presumptuous. I hope that, you know, I'm not just, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement, but a lot of us in the so-called revolutionaries romanticize the revolution and think that the biggest threat to the so-called state was these brothers with shotguns. We see the pictures, we, you know, we see the movies and we look and we're so fascinated by that and not just fascinated, we're repressed, we're angry. So we love to see the brothers and sisters stand up with the gun. We're like, yeah, that must be what they feared. Because a lot of times that's what they, how they, it wasn't so much that. It was the political education and the programs. It was the programs that they implemented. And the programs showed and oppressed, exploited people that you can do it yourself. Huey and the um, original, the so-called original Panther Party. And I, when I say so, I don't mean it in disrespect. I, you know, I believe in the developments for those that, and one day I'll teach you on that. But the development, the formation of under the leadership of Chairman Bobby Seals and Defense Minister Huey P. Newton was they actually practiced socialization and showed us through the program so much so that the government had to steal the programs, which the 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 the, the free breakfast. The lunch programs, I remember going to the park and getting the little white boxes. I don't know how many of y'all old enough to remember free lunch in the park, free lunch in the park. But what was missing was the politi- the politicization. They began to, they took the very same programs that were teaching us self-determination, teaching us that we could socialize, we could do it as a people, as the masses of people could do on their own, and begin to have us to become dependent and reliant on the state. And when you become dependent and reliant on the state, not only do they feed you physically, but they feed your mind, feed you dreams of assimilation and integration. They feed you dreams that if you walk a straight, if you walk this so-called said straight line or do it this way or speak that way or dress this way or that way, you can be a part of the system and you can be great in the system and you can make it in the system. First of all, the lies of that, the chances of that happening, because you still will always be, you know, it's not just, I think that our people, our African people who have made it to a so-called bourgeoisie status, to a so-called middle or upper-class status, find out at the end of the day they're still a nigger, you see. So we have to understand the dynamics of our revolutionary struggle. Our revolutionary struggle isn't just a class struggle. It is a race struggle because of what this country was based and founded upon. But at the same time that they're also teaching individualism, they're teaching you to separate from the very people into whom which you belong. And you will never be successful doing that. So this is why we don't find us sticking together. Negative images of Africa have been reinforced, have been put in our minds and constantly reinforced and bombarded. We've been bombarded with these images. I remember growing up 
in the day, Tarzan was the man. Tarzan was the man. Now, here you had this white man swinging from trees, could talk to every animal in Africa. Niggas been in Africa all their life, couldn't speak to a zebra. Running scared, walking around with whole living room suits on their head. You see what I'm saying? So that they out, so these negative images of Africa have been reinforcing us, therefore even separating us more from some type of cultural, um, some type of cultural focal point, uh, some where where our origin was, some type of honor, and then the subculture we were given by, like I said, the negative images of Africa being reinforced was totally to build into a capitalist, imperialist, white supremacist system. There's no way around it. So the revolutionary culture, in order for us to socialize now, we have to begin to agree. We don't have to agree on what specific aspect of a revolutionary culture, but we must agree on the, as, as, as in a general principle that, that the revolutionary culture must be for the advancement, and not just African people, but all oppressed people, but specifically since we're of African descent and black hair being targeted because of our skin complexion, the revolutionary culture must be a culture that is for the advancement of us. It's just that simple. We can use, I like what Chairman Trinell says, we, we must understand these words because as a revolutionary, you must be an internationalist. You have to be a globalist. So we have to use these words because these are revolutionary, this is revolutionary politics, this is revolutionary language. You know, if you're going across and speaking to the revolutionary in whatever country, you want to be able to have the same, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, you want to be able to have a good dialogue. So you must speak the revolutionary language. But in layman's terms of making it plain and simple, we must do things and act a way that is in the best interest of us. And this is what we don't find ourselves doing. And what we have done due to our lack of political education, we haven't allowed it to permeate and to penetrate inside of us and settle in our hearts to where we have this fever for it, and we've allowed any counter-revolutionary, counter-productive, reactionary Negroes and, and to come into the movement. And this is what we're left with. What is the revolutionary culture? My question is to the listening listen audience out there. What do you think the revolutionary culture is? What clearly defines the revolutionary culture? How can we begin, like Chairman Trinnell said, begin to socialize, begin to have a harmony and unity amongst one another. I, I see a lot of the posts saying 2018, we're talking about harmony, we're talking about unity, but how can we begin to have that from one another when we don't have the same goals, aims, and objectives in mind? And while saying that, let me say this. See, we got to get out of this thing. All my skin folk ain't my kin folk. Please believe that. Unity doesn't mean turning a blind eye. Turning a blind eye to the bandit or the pirate hiding up under some revolutionary banner saying, oh, you're attacking the black man when this black man or black woman is clearly a threat to our existence, a threat to the black community. So we have to, it, we have to get past that. We have to get past that soft stage of allowing anything. It is time for the revolutionary clearly to have some more revolutionary morals and revolutionary ethics. You're listening to Independent Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party. I'm your host, Chairman Yang Nkrumah. We got my brother, Chairman Trinnell, on there. Press 1, if you like to come in, we'll recognize you. We'll hear what you have to say. 
and we can talk about this thing and discuss this thing. We're talking about culture, political socialization, and revolution. And I want to say that there is no revolution without the political socialization or an understanding of a revolutionary culture. There is none. Let's go to our phone lines and open them up. Uh, four seven zero one four four four. Nephew. Power to the people. Power to the people. How What's are good, you, man? I'm hey, good, brother. Man. How about you? You know, I'm I, I'm uh I'm good. I'm commenting on uh, one thing that uh, the brother said that kind of stuck with me was you know the social is you know it's all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, you got to where people don't even want to get along. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to where they don't even want to get along, which is why, yeah. you know, uh, this year right here, I ain't really I ain't really uh, do Kwanzaa like I did last year. Last year I was shouting it from the top of the box and, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They were shouting with me, Harambe, he was going down. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it was huge. You know, and uh, a lot of the same people, they still around. You know what I'm saying? But the reason a lot of, they, they stray away from Kwanzaa is too social. It's too social. It's more than just giving, giving you gifts, opening up the core, and it's over with. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's you know, to these people who don't want to get along, this is like hot lava. Oh, tell me what you think for. Oh, who you try to live? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying to 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 a person who being who getting along if it freak you out. Well, Kwanzaa is terrible. You, you you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah, you know yeah. And, and, and it, it's got to the point where you know people they don't they don't want to get along, and we got to get to some kind of some kind of common ground. No matter what it is, you know it's always lines drawn in the sand. You know what I mean, and you know, and you know, being in the belly, being in the heart of it, you know what I'm saying. I, I see it every day. You know what I'm saying. Just people, they they just don't want to get along. You know what yep. I'm saying. And and in order for everybody to move in the right direction, you know what I'm saying, and, and to and to be effective. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, not just yeah. get together, and, and, but to be effective. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and reach some objectives. You know what I'm saying? We got to want to get along. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Just, just, you know just a thought on, on the brother, uh, Chairman Tremell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I appreciate that, nephew. Tell, 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 you know, tell my party behind lines, man. We ain't forgot about y'all. You know, this is... Uh, my, my my nephew Hakeem, chairman of the People's Black Panther Party behind enemy lines. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Little brother, tell the all power to the people. Um, and absolutely, man. But you know, one of those things is the commonality, the common unity we have is the survival of us. You know, it's our survival. We are the only people. We are so complacent, man. I'm watching the news, watching the world news in Iran. They are just raising habit. And they're raising one of their one of their problems that they're raising habit. They saying because hmm. the unemployment rate is like over fifty percent for young people, uh, twenty five and under. Over fifty wow. percent. I mean, how is the unemployment rate 
for people of African descent here in America, and you still don't find us even being disgruntled. I don't say we get out there and throw rocks <laughs> and burn cars, but at right. the very least, show some type of disgruntlement. Show some type of anger. We are people that have apathy, yeah. and with this apathy, with up. this sense of being removed from the situation and being a people that have are used to allowing other people to choose our destiny for us, we go for anything. And this is why we don't socialize. When we begin to put our survival first, when we begin to say that it is necessary. See, you didn't have, I'm a person that believes in the creator. So I didn't ask to be created this color, but I thank God that I am who I am. You know, but I understand what comes along with this and how necessary it is. It's imperative that we get together, that I stick with people of like mind, like attitude, with at least a similar vision and goal, and begin to try to achieve some things, if not for me, but for the children. A revolutionary culture is necessary to understand and be able to fuel and sustain what's called a protracted struggle. Struggle is a generational struggle. It is a struggle that is passed down. Revolution must become a part of our culture that is passed down to our children. Liberation and freedom must be passed down like our ancestors that were in bondage and in slavery passed it down to the children that we now have the ability and are blessed to even discuss these things on airwaves based on it becoming a protracted struggle. Protracted struggle is what got Vietnam, caused Vietnam, enabled Vietnam to see the victory. This is what a protracted struggle is, and this is what we're fighting for and what we're trying to accomplish. But until we see that you know, it is a collectivism. It is the socializing of oppressed people that will shake off the few, the 1% that control us. We will always be in the rut that we find ourselves in. Nephew, put your phone on mute. Uh, Brother Chairman, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, let you, and then when you want to chime back in, you can chime back in again. And with 951 your mic is open. Peace and black power. Peace and black power. Can you power. hear me? Oh, okay. Yes, I can. Um, I um, thank you for taking my call. Um, my concern for revolutionary growth and unity and our survival is the black love, the love between the men and the women. And I think that has to be something that is really um, expressed and something that is really um, a detriment in our community. I'm a young woman, and I hear my sisters talk, and I also hear my brothers talk. And I think that that, because you said earlier that revolutionary starts with in, and it's a self, it starts with self, which is correct. But beyond that, after the self, then it comes the family, the holy trinity, man, woman, and child. And until we can get that back, until we can, until we can build together, until that love and trust is restored, there cannot be no true unity within our race until that family is brought back together. And that, to me, is where we need to really um, grow as a people. We need to um, educate and build upon that. Very good points. Very good. Very good points, you know. But one of the things that I, I like to put in hand in, Chairman Trinnell, definitely um, I'd like for you to come in if you like, or uh, Chairman Hakeem. 
One of the things that I like to say and I always go back to is this neocolonialist mentality, not just in our economics, not just in how we spend, not just in the way we view politics, but in the way that we carry ourselves and conduct ourselves in relationships to one another, men and women. You know what right. idea? What is the idea of black family? Absolutely. You know, if we're still if we're still holding European standards as the norm right. for black if men, if if the brothers are still holding their their um, women to European standards of what womanhood is, it's not going to work. The black woman is not the white woman, not the Arab woman, not any woman in the world, nor is the black man any other ethnicity. You know, so we must defy clearly the role of black family, and what we, and then we define what black family is. In Africa, we came from a matrifocal society. Women played a very major role. We have to understand that, you know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who wants to jump in at this time, that, and this is my opinion, that the white man has not loved his woman. He has a hatred for his woman. In fact, he had given the black man the right to vote before he gave white women the right to vote. I remember right, when Hillary right. Clinton was running, for, was running for office, and everybody said, oh, Hillary's going to win. They'll never let that black man in. I said, Hillary's not going to win. They're, how do you know? I said, they will not, not let winning. a woman. Right. They will not allow a woman to lead this nation. And we begin to start to emulate that. And like black people, like we do, we're the champions of anything they, if we do. If they created basketball, we master basketball. We give them the Michael Jordans. They created football, mm-hmm. we give them the Mike Fitz. We always go mm-hmm. above and beyond. So when you're talking about misogyny, sexism, chauvinism, and all these other isms, you know, that the uh, European implanted in the black man, we took it to the next level. So we begin to exploit our women. We begin to pimp our women, put our women out there on television and begin to condone this type of um, perverse, uh, overt sexual behavior or sexualizing our women and our little girls. See, and, and the same thing with the black women. They begin to hold men to, you're not bringing home this much. You don't have this or you don't have that. Mm-hmm. Materialism came into play. Then the black man yeah. took a lesser role. And we, they begin to fuel the hatred, you know, that type of hatred and played on that that we have for one another. So it's going to take us to redefine black relationships, to redefine black families, you know, and it, and it constantly evolves. You know, now we're dealing in this era with the baby mama, baby daddy thing. You know, how does it go in? Like I had, you know, I have what I call a bonus bonus baby. I don't call them stepchildren. I call them bonus children. You know, it's bonus a blessing baby. anytime. And one, yeah, your bonus babies. And one of the things that I had told his told his father, you know, but I and I have children from a previous relationship. I said, here's the real phenomena of the black community. There is a black man in somebody's house, assisting in the raising of a child that isn't his. No point in us brothers fighting it out. What are we fighting it out for? If anything, we should be blessed that now this child has two positive black role models. There's always a black man somewhere. Sometimes relationships don't work. So there's a black man raising somebody else's children. And he, while he's trying to fight with this her new man, and this that, he's in another sister's house raising someone else's children. This is a phenomenon in the black community. So we have to start to redefine what black family is to make up a new revolutionary black culture that is beneficial to us. We need to get out of the soap operas, get out of Reader's Digest, and everything else that tells us how black families should be or how a family should be and start to defy that on our own. Chairman Chanel, did you want to jump in there on this and say something? 
Yeah, I appreciate what the sister had to say, power to the people. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. I keep trying to play with these little smartphones, and I guess I'm too stupid. You're not so smart, are smart, are No. But um, uh, um, in relationship to uh, uh, what was being said, um, hold on one minute. Okay, I'm back. Um, you know, the sister's absolutely correct. Uh, I think that's one of the things you talked about earlier, Chairman, about uh, the family being a whole cohesive unit. Um, it also goes back to uh, how important it is for us to understand our history because what is happening today is by design. It was designed by uh, 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 the founding fathers of this country uh, the techniques that they needed to use in order to control the slaves that they brought to this country. And one of the things they had to do was separate the units of the family. And uh, and that's where it, it begins, this indoctrination and this uh, 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 convincing the different groups of the family that uh, they could not exist without the white man and uh it's, it's a devilish plan that he put into effect but it was effective so a lot of times we think about the disharmony in the family but it has a root cause and a lot of us don't see the root cause of this so we're we're, we're swimming trying to save ourselves out of this madness but we don't understand uh, how to do it. We don't understand how do we get uh, the husband to be more affectionate to the wife? How do we get the wife to be more effective to the husband? How do we treat our children as the most important things in our unit? We forgot how to raise children. We forgot how to be lovers to one another. We forgot how to be complimentary when the sun goes up and appreciative when the sun goes down. But there's a reason we don't remember these things. If you remember back in the 50s and the 60s, you go into almost every black household, there was always something in that house about the past, as well as things in that house about the present. And the children would always bring something new about the future. It is the way we transform one generation to the next generation, keeping those tenets, those precious things about our unit intact. In the 60s, when we became national and global revolutionaries, in almost every household, you had something about African art, black power, posters, the music that was out during that time, the whole conversation that we talked about. Black power, brother, power to the people. Hey, brother, hey, sister. You know, that was that generation. That was what was happening there. So the next generation, because the government put in and ramped up their countertail pro programs of accelerating the division and the animosity in, uh, between us, we did not take this from that generation in the 60s effectively to the next generation. There's no surprise 
that we are in disharmony and we are disorganized today. You go into the average house today, you see very little about black history, very little. You see a lot about present-day national conditions and the culturalization of what's going on today, even on the TV, on the news, the games, everything else. It's all about what they've chosen to allow out there on the media to advance their cause, which is imperialistic ability to control the capitalistic system. So the system is absolutely correct. How do we get back to basics? The way we get back to basics is we have to remember, some of us have lost our way. Every brother and sister and youngster out there do not remember or else they got some sort of mental illness. If there's a mental illness, we got to give them help so we can get them healthy. If there's not a mental illness, then we need to figure out a way to break bread and say, look, what you're doing, I understand because I made the same mistake. Don't go down that road, brother. Don't go down that road, sister. Here's a better way, a healthier way. It's more progressive. It's more revolutionary, and you'll be okay in the long run because you're standing for something instead of falling for every little thing that comes your way that you don't disagree with. When the chairman talked about political education, political education is a direct result of us talking to people that know that they don't have a way, and we're trying to convince them through our experiences and to what we know about the present and the future that there is a better way. So we have to provide political education to them to teach them, say, look, you know, this is the darkest time. Don't be dismayed. We're going to come out of this okay. Trust me, it's being written. You know, we will be okay. But we got to stay focused. we got to stay true to our core beliefs that every man is created equal, endowed by a creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everybody. We have to believe that that way. We don't bow down to nobody. We don't disrespect nobody. We don't take shit that don't belong to us. We do what we got to do, and we talk to our people all the time. Sometimes it may happen in a day. Sometimes it may not happen in six months, but that's what a struggle is. You keep on pressing forward, and those that don't want to hear, leave them alone. Go to the next one. If your husband don't want to hear, pray for him, do a dance, fix him a meal, or don't fix a meal, whatever. Just keep at it. You have to make a decision that enough's enough. That's your decision. But don't give up until it's the last fucking straw. Because once you burn that bridge, that, bur- that bridge is burnt. So do everything you got to do with love and understanding and compassion. But don't take no beat down from nobody. I don't care who it is. Stand your ground. Because if you're on the right path, you ain't got to worry. You're going to get yours. You know, it may be with him or with her or maybe without him or without her. But you got to stick to the program. You got to stick to what works. Right on. Thank you right on. That's, yeah, that's, that's right on. Let me go to my um, phone lines. Yeah, I see everybody holding on. I appreciate you being patient. Let's go to the phone lines. Area code 404-7765. Your mic is open. What's good, boy? What's going on, Sister Kim? Not much. I'm just sitting here listening. First, let me go all the way back to the unity. 
We uh, I, I listen, I sit on the radio and I listen to all this, you know, intellectual, laid-back conversation. But I don't see where the real unity is being built. You know, we talk about certain things, but when you got people that are in organizations, we can get off the black love stuff. Because half the brothers on this phone don't want to be put on blast. They don't know what black love is. It's closer to the ears and neither does the sisters. A lot of them on here is a bunch of cross-dressers, and they connive in and talk about a lot of stuff, and it causes disunity in the party. Sleeping around, arguing, keeping up mess, messing with people's husbands and wives. I hear all this black love stuff, but about 5 or 10% of the people on the phone are adulterers. They are liars. They are manipulators. They play with people's emotions. They don't even know what black love is. Love in particular is loyalty first. So a lot of these people don't have any type of loyalty. They jump from organization to organization. They talk amongst each other, and they're not doing anything but holding conversations instead of getting out here doing the work. I hear, I've been hearing a lot of these people on this phone for like four or five years. Never met any of them, never really seen them out doing anything really positive or active, but they got all these opinions about what black love and black unity should be about. First, you got to start with self. Everybody on this phone now need to be closer to their ears. And I'm just going to say that. Another thing, as far as strategic methods, we got to get off these phones. We get on blog talk every week, everybody talking about the same shit, but ain't nothing getting done. I don't see anybody in courtrooms. I don't see anybody trying to even counsel the black people out here to make them understand what one respecting women is. These Most of these people that's on this phone is in organizations or religions that actually oppress women, period. And they live by that code. They can sit here and put these faces on, but in our reality, they live by the cause of what they consider to be their religious background. Most of these Muslim men, I don't see anywhere where a woman is running anything in the Muslim religion. While we're talking about in the black power organizations, let's go to the Muslims. I don't see where any women are really running anything in the Christian religion, but most of the people that we deal with come from these backgrounds. So speaking about certain things and being about certain things, I think that's what we need to put in tape. It needs to be more open-door opportunities of understanding here. We don't even show a lot of stability and love in the organization because every single week all we do is criticize and talk about what black people are not doing and not giving them credit for the things that they are doing. So, you know, with all due respect, I just think we need to get out of all this intellectual laid-back conversating every Tuesday and Thursday type crap. Mouth needs to be close to their ears because when you talk about something, and when you get out here and you present yourself to the public, the public will dig, and they will find out who the people are that's making up these stories and lying and all of this stuff. And this is why now we call it the paper panthers and not the damn black panthers. So somebody just needs to stop, you know, coming up with all these topics about what needs to be done and start doing it. And black love, I'm just sick and tired of hearing this stuff about this black love and the black man and the black woman when black women trying to be white and black men think they white. So at the end of the day, until you are changing mentalities, we're not going to have any black love anywhere because black don't exist. Love does go individually. So if we understand how to accept our people and stop always criticizing everything that they do, I think we'll make a better change. And I don't mean to be long-winded, but I'm just sick and tired of hearing all these women and men getting on these relationship topics where half of y'all sleeping with each other and has hurt a lot of the people. A lot of the sisters and brothers that did come into the, the organization and wanted black love. So uh, if we don't want to get into topics, y'all need to figure out something else to quit talking about this black love stuff. Power to the people.
power to the people. I'm going to put your mic on mute. You might not like what I'm about to say. But that's exactly what you just did. And criticized everything that anybody was saying. No, I don't think that anyone, I haven't heard anyone on here say that they have all the solutions, that they have all the answers, nor are they walking around like angels are being perfect. And I know, definitely, I haven't, you won't hear Yanga say that. But the first step comes with really wanting us to see a change. I'm sorry for whatever you went through or however you're feeling uh, that the movement isn't going. But like you said, the judgmental stuff is one of the things that's killing us. Where all of us want to come, we read a few books, we students of history a little bit, and we think we understand I have a grasp of the movement. The movement is wide. The movement is large. And any contribution that any black people are doing for the advancement of African people, I encourage and support. I may not necessarily always agree with, but if it isn't detrimental to black people, then I encourage and support. And in the and in defense of people's personal religious belief, this is why this is the black movement. This isn't the black Muslim radio program, not the black Christian program, not the black Hebrew Israelite program, but all are welcome to the program. And if your spirit is your inspirational and guiding force, Sometimes people's religion is what they use as a moral compass to distinguish between what they deem right and wrong. And I and I applaud that. My thing, the only thing I say is allow that to be also your inspirational and your uh, motivational force to not just distinguish what's right and wrong, but also to, to in the advancement of us as an oppressed people, as an African people right here in America. That we're always going to have critics of our actions, and that's unfortunate, but it's reality. So I still encourage, you know, I appreciate, like I said, the radio program for everyone to have their opinion. I appreciate your opinion. You're always uh, entitled to that opinion. I don't necessarily agree with that opinion, and I would encourage the listeners out here not to allow that to down them. Don't start taking that into your heart. Yeah, we got some things happening in the movement. This is why I said that we have to raise the moral and ethical standard of the movement. And we're all growing and learning as we go. So that's how that's going to be is how it is. You're always going to have, you know, we'll come on black people. I don't see not one time, you know, let me see what your party is doing to attack the oppressor. Every time you come on this program, it's something about black or something we ain't doing or something we ain't said or somewhere you coming at us. Go at the oppressor who gave us this mentality. At least applaud the African people who are trying to overcome these sicknesses and these perversities. But it's one step at a time. And if you got a halo and wings, I'm sorry, Angel. You know, but I'm sure the last time somebody went in the toilet after you, dude, dude, it stinks, human being. So that's all I wanted to say on that, man. It gets old after a while, you know. We got to stop being contrary. We got to stop being argumentative and, 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 you know, always having something negative to say when the people are coming on making a point. And I agree with the sister. We have to work on black love. Let's go to our phone lines, area code 216-5363. Your mic is open. Peace and power. Peace and power, my boo. Hey. How's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, I can hear you. It's going good, Brother Chairman. Okay. There's uh, uh, a couple of things that I definitely want to uh, uh, touch on real quick. And one is that something that we have to look at very closely. When we tell our youth, 
that we are descendants of slaves. We are not. We are descendants of African men and women. In terms of saying we're sending a slave, we do not give them a history. We were captured. There's three ways to produce what we into today. First, we was capture, shackle, ship, and then enslaved. So we had to let our children know that we've been a free man and woman from the beginning. This condition we're in now have not been the condition of our people and our ancestors, and we have to let them know that we are the descendants of a crime, of a kidnap. And there's, under the law, no statutory or limitation under this crime. And so we still fighting. I haven't seen nowhere where uh, you or I or any of our ancestors, or any of our freedom fighters, male or female, sit down to a table and sign an agreement that we don't end this war. And it's going to always be a war until the justice comes to us. And when it comes to male and female relationship, we have to understand this. Man and woman are both minds. And the beauty of it, why we must protect and love our woman, is because from her, she inhouses both minds, male and female, through male and female, creating two male and female. So it's going to take us to produce her and going to take her to produce us. In other words, we are mine. And this is what they want to destroy. They're not worrying about our breast size, our butt size, our penis size. They're worrying about our mind size. And the bigger our mind is, the more dangerous we become. And the history of the plantation shows that. It ain't about how many babies you can give birth to, how many you can teach and have them to grow to be men and women. They call it on Kwanzaa, the rites of passage. During the Panthers, we call it the liberation school. It's the same thing, producing our young brother and sister mind to carry on this liberation struggle. I don't care how old the apple tree becomes, it still comes from a seed. An orange tree still comes from a seed. An oak tree still comes from a seed. It did not reproduce itself. Ain't no way. So we still connected to that seed, and our battle will never end until justice come about. And so when we looked at what integration did, integration brought us to in a situation where you mentioned earlier that was correct. We are people of culture, and we are people of the environment. Even though we live under segregation, that was sustained as uh, single mothers. If it was, the community took that family in. That every child, that when I step out of my house on 105 or Parkgate or Columbus in in Cleveland, every child are my child, regardless they come from the womb of my wife or they come from the sperm of me. And when we look at the community that these are our children, then we will be able to move forward, and that's what we did during the 60s and during the moving there. That's why we had the breakfast program, the liberation school. We did not discriminate. Our children came, and they ate, and they learned. Until we accept that the community is what it called, common unity, community. We call it a neighborhood where the hood, the neighbors, became hoods. I don't live in a neighborhood. 
I live in a fractured community that must come back and build a common unity. What the <coughs> what the common unity is? What the program? Political, economically, socially, all of that is part of community, common unity. What do the European have in terms of common unity? They have the European ancestry, and they push that, and they push that, and they push it more and more every day. And when they integrated us, they integrated us into a culture to become, I call second class citizen, which ain't sustainable. And now we think we don't move that we don't moved up, but we gave away our birthrights, we gave away our community, we gave away the love. And what is love? We let the European, we let Hollywood, we let television, we let the rapper, we let talk shows and magazines tell us what love is. Love is when that mother gives birth to that baby. Love is when that father makes love to that woman and putting that spirit in that DNA, A-N, that child. What we deal with the movement is more than physical. If that woman hates that father, it's going to be clocked. If that father hates that mother... It's going to be clocked. And this is why the European scientist goes in with all these experiments and laboratories because they know the power of the germ that's being put in. This is why the African family was so important and why when the child was born, it was quickly given. Even the doctor today, and I'm going to stop for a minute, even the doctor today, they had to learn to stop spanking a baby to make it feel that it's alive. Now they learn and half of them become civilized. When that child comes from the womb, they'll take it out and lay it on the mother, and the child can hear the mother's heartbeat outside as well as her the heartbeat inside. That savage barbarian is learning more and more every day from our African culture. He's learning every day to take the youth and put him into very organization where the man can raise that boy to become a man. And in Africa, they call it a passage. And the young girls go through the same thing, and they call it a passage. If your religion ain't about your liberation, then you don't need to have any. And I say it. If Islam ain't about liberating you, you don't need it. If Christianity ain't about liberating you, you don't need it. If Buddhism ain't about liberating you, you don't need it. And I can go on down and down and down. Religion is a way of life. The religion of men of the European today is racism. That's the religion. They wake up with it, they go to bed with it. Religion is what you give your soul and your life to. Some people's religion is ignorant and stupidity because they don't want to learn. They don't want to know nothing. That becomes their religion. So I end up by saying, saying that our movement is a real life. This ain't no Saturday weekend. This ain't no Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm sorry that people confuse that, that many of our comrades, we wake up with it and we go to bed with it. This is our way of life. Comrades, stay strong. Keep doing what we're doing. This ain't an overnight process. As long as we can continue to plant the seed, somebody's going to eat from the crop when it grows. So hang in there. Let's stay strong and let's move forward. And when we say all power to the people, I don't. I say all power to the righteous people because some of these people need to get up out of here. Black power. Right on. Black power. All power to oppressed people. We appreciate that, Chairman Kaha. I'm going to go straight to the phone lines again. 762-6675. Your mic is open. Black power, my brother. Black power, brother. Black power. Brother Robert calling from behind the wall with nephew. Nephew, what's good, brother? 
What's going on, my brother? Power to all oppressed people. I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, say that, you know, I couldn't believe that I heard someone say that black doesn't exist. And, you know, that that, that, kind of made me, you know, almost tear up a little bit to know that, you know, all our ancestors and, 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 and people, you know, marched and moved and got shot and killed for somebody today to say that black doesn't exist. I mean, that that was a killer. But I ain't going to dwell on that too much. But I wanted to touch on um, when you were saying that, you know, uh, uh, some of us are, uh, our people are afraid of that word revolutionary. And uh, from, and this is not scientifically proven what I'm about to say or, in no dictionary or no books or nothing that I know of. But for one reason, most of them cowards. Second reason, some of them are Uncle Tom's, and the third is a lot of people just don't know the meaning or or, or don't know the worth of that word. And, you know, to, 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 to really grasp it, like you always say, my brother, is education. Because when I got educated, I wanted to be dedicated as well because I learned something. I, I I taught myself. You know, I just got my GD in August of last year, and I taught myself about my people. You know, they had a uh, he was a, he's a good guy. You know, uh, he was a white teacher, and you know, he was trying to teach us our history, and it wasn't nothing against him or his color. So it, I, I'm I'm not going say, like, you know, because uh, he was teaching it, I wasn't interested, but I, I felt if, if, before I learn it from him, I do everything in my power to teach myself, and that's what I did, and I passed all my classes and everything, and when I learned and read some of the things that I read and seen some of the videos that I seen that our people did, it, it, it you know, it it not only changed the way I move, talk, and think now, but it it, it it also changed the way I see our people. And, you know, I haven't been the best brother. I haven't, you know, I, I haven't. And, you know, I've done my fair share of, 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 of wrong, and, you know, nothing lasts forever. So just to know better, a lot of people can do better. You know, I mean, when you when you understand something, you don't run from it; you run to it. You know, and and the the change, and 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 the fight is gonna be hard to help our people get where we need to be. You know, and it's just so much working against us. You know what I'm saying? And it's just it's just not enough of us to go around daily to educate. It's not enough for us to go around daily to to, to show. And, and, and tell, you know, so my brother, I always, since I met you, you know, which haven't been very long, but the things that you do, you know, you are getting things done. Even if you just reach one person, no one should be able to come on this line and tell anybody about nothing is being done. You feel me? Because listening and learning is one thing. But saying and doing is another. So when 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 I got 
the the, the invite from Nip to come on here and yeah. listen, you know, it just changed. You know, it just it just it just really coincided with what I was really teaching myself. And you know, I was ashamed, my brother. I was ashamed I didn't know the stuff that I know today. I was ashamed I didn't know about all of the things that our people went through and all the things that we had to endure, you know, the torture, the beatings, the everything, just, you know, and, you know, to know it, man, just is, is just on a whole nother level. But a lot of people, my brother, just just don't know or, or, or they're either Uncle Tom's or they're just cowards. You know, people get comfortable with living that, like 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 the brother said, uh, one of the chairmen said, you know, you know, people get content with waiting to be fed by those people. They get content waiting on that chick. They get content, you know, on 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 those handouts to where they just want to lay back and hide and 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 live for that. And yeah, I remember those white boxes at the park, man. We called it feeder kid, my brother. <laughs> you know, so all power to the people, my brother. You know, and keep doing what you're doing, brother. I'm here with you. Nip here with you. Everybody here with you, man. Just keep what you're doing, brother. We're going to fight with you. You know what I'm saying? Die if we right have on. to. You feel me? Right on, brother. Black I, power you know and all power to oppressed people. Black power and all power to oppressed people. I appreciate the, the support, man. But, you know, we this is... Unfortunately, brother, this is what we're dealing with. When we're talking about socialization and cultural revolution uh, or a revolutionary culture, this is what we have to contend with. We have to contend with the neocolonialist mind. We have to contend with the mind state that has been so conditioned, you know what I'm saying? And the conditioning was so thorough that we don't even know that we express hatred to the degree of, of, that we express the hatred for one another to the degree that we do it. We think that we're just talking. We're led by emotions. We become reactionary. And I'm like you. I don't get into the debate of semantics. I get with those brothers and sisters, and they holler about black ain't this, black ain't that, and we need to legally this, legally that. What's funny about you saying that, though, Brother Robert, man, I was watching a uh, video they have on Facebook with one of my Morris brothers, and not knocking my Morris brothers, but one of my Morris brothers. And he was in the courtroom screaming the same stuff under article this and that, I have the right to this and that. And them white boys put their hands all on him, knocked his fans off, handcuffed him, did all kinds of stuff, and he's still quoting laws. You can't quote laws to a criminal. The country was founded on criminality. It is The nation was founded on the oppression, the exploitation, the genocide, the slavery of human beings. So how now do you think that you're going to come in here, talk some law or some civilization to an uncivilized nation? And I'm not just talking about white people. This is the, the, the thing that we have to understand, and this is why I talk about a revolutionary culture. It is the system. I agree with sometimes what some of the sisters said, because you have Negroes that uphold an imperialist, capitalist, white supremacist system better than the Europeans, with more enthusiasm than the Europeans. But if we're not careful, that type of thinking and mentality seeps into us, and we begin to view things from Eurocentric perspective, meaning that we judge everything according to the white man, the way the white man does, or the oppressor does at this stage. It's hard to even say just the white man, the way that the oppressor does at this stage. We begin to view everything like that, and no effort is good enough, nothing's ever happening, we're not doing this. We set ourselves in a seat of judgment. 
what I'm always telling us. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one footstep. In our relationship thing, there's not going to be a perfect relationship. Show me a black perfect relationship. The best black couple I'd ever seen was the Cosby. And guess what? They were Eurocentric as hell. Bill Cosby was a doctor. She was a lawyer. The kids went to HBCUs, historical black colleges and universities. Then everything was in line. So even the image, even the black family that is put in front of our face lives according to a Eurocentric morals and standards and ethics. So you show we're talking about the lumpen proletarian. We're talking about the brothers and sisters below the poverty level. We're talking about the brothers and sisters who, like you said, may have children from previous relationships. We're talking about the brothers and sisters that we're talking about the brother that's unemployed, the sister that's working a part-time job, relying on state um, state aid and government aid, and when they do that, demasculating the black man because now he has to deny his place and his role in the house or she won't get no aid and assistance. These are the things that we're talking about. And then we get over here and talk about what we're not doing. Look at what we're fighting and combating. So instead of us battling one another, let's begin to battle the system that sets the conditions for us to begin to think like that. And when we recognize it, knowing that we're sick, we've been submerged in this sickness. We've been submerged in these perversities and this twisted up society. So once we recognize it, let us at least, when I was talking about that protracted struggle, begin to paint the picture, a empowering picture of oppressed people, us becoming alpha shackles to our children. We cannot Christian them. We can talk about Christianity all day. Oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. The Christians is that. But for us true students of history, we understood exactly what happened. We understood that we were free people, enslaved, forced to given a religion forcibly and took aspects of that religion to inspire and motivate fights to freedom and revolution. Everybody wants to knock the Christian, but everybody wants to claim Matt Turner. I, it's the damnedest thing. It's the biggest contradiction I have. We talk about, oh, Jesus didn't do this, this and then turn around. Happy Matt Turner Day. Call myself Matt Turner, but screw the Christian. The black prophet of Christendom. The black slave prophet of Christendom. Inspired by the Bible. Said he saw white and black angels going to war. So we understood that they still, this is where the protracted struggle came in. This is when they sung songs of freedom. This motivated their children. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. They knew what they were in, but they they put that in their children so that their children will build up that resistance to the conditioning they were in. And those children put it in their children, and their children put it in their children till we're here today. We're very ungrateful people. When you talk about a revolutionary culture, we sit back 50, 60, 70, even 100 years later with the history books judging the mistakes of our predecessors. How dare you, you ingrate. You're arrogant is what you are. We want to knock and talk about what they should have did and what they shouldn't have did. And if you were there in those times, you've been shitting your pants. Scared to run north. That's going to get us. We got everything to say about these predecessors and pioneers and revolutionaries of that time in that condition. We can judge them and talk about them, but won't even make an effect or begin to affect the change in the times in which we're living today, begin to implement a revolutionary culture. And no, 
we're not, we don't think that the reverend, this is why I think, I thank the most high God for the likes of the Chairman Trenells and the Chairman Kahars and the Bobby Seals and even all of my predecessors, even the people who now in my little limited information and knowledge may not agree with politically, may not agree with ideologically or philosophically, but I thank their contribution to the movement and advancement of African people because now, in this day and time, it gives me a foundation, a focal point to begin to try to change some of these conditions that I'm in. And one of the things that they taught me, they were very idealistic. Especially those pamphlets, they thought, a lot of them, in my readings, thought the revolution, whether consciously or subconsciously, was going to be overnight or quite possibly in their lifetime. But now we understand the importance of a protracted struggle. Now we understand the importance of generational struggle. And it's not going to be had by critiques and criticisms, not constructive critiques, not constructive criticisms, but belittling, downplaying, ridiculing, ostracizing, talking about. We take the fight out of the people. We're fighting double enemies. I got this oppressor on my back, on my neck. I have to worry about me being murdered or my children being murdered. Not even so much me because I'm a lot of, I thank God, I'm 45, gotten past what they say is the real danger zone for the black man, though it's still dangerous. Don't get it twisted. But for my children, where they step out there, might be murdered and maimed by a police. So I'm dealing with a repressive society. I'm dealing with a repressive state and turn around and have to argue or debate with some Negro about what I am or what I'm not doing because it doesn't meet their standards. Who are How dare you? How dare you? How arrogant. We need to take a step down off our high horse. Remember the philosophy and ideology. Remember that we're all proletarians. We're all lumping. We're all a part of the masses. We're all a part of the downtrodden. You're all a part of the downtrodden. So if I give $1,000 and that person gives $1 to the movement, or if I have a million dollars and I give $1,000 and that person only has $2 and gives a dollar, who is more sincere or more committed? It's about the effort, you putting forth the effort that you can put forth. You being sincere in your effort. And we're not looking for you to be perfect. This is not the church. We're just looking for you to have a grasp of the revolutionary culture. And there may be some things, us being of certain ages and, 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 and uh, indoctrinated in certain ways and certain behaviors that we may have, not saying that they're right, but realizing and recognizing that they're not advantageous and teaching contrary to this behavior, teaching different from this behavior to our children. A strong African or, or oppressed people revolutionary culture and that's what it's going to take and we have to stop the foolishness raise the level raise the standard i'm not mad about someone calling me on out on something if the criticism and critique is sincere and this is what we don't find we're lacking the sincerity because we're still when we criticize and critique we still have this neo-colonialist mentality so we're criticizing and critiquing based on white man's standards or oppressive standards, and those standards are the destruction. 
of African people. So when you're criticizing the brother or the sister or the movement, is that a sincere critique or are you trying to tear down? Are you trying to belittle? Does this go towards the revolutionary culture? Stop. We must stop looking, worrying about everyone's faults. Work on our own faults and work on a collective good. Did you hear me? Individually, look at our own individual faults and work on a collective good. That's where the revolutionary culture is going to come in. That's where the black love comes in. The black love doesn't always come in doing the right thing. The black love comes in and being apologetic and beginning to attempt to do the right thing. And knowing along the way there's going to be some stumbles, there's going to be some falls, because I don't think there's not one person on this phone that has all the answers, on this blog talk radio show that has all the answers. I very seriously doubt it, but we've become so bitter. And I understand why. I understand why. This is why I still deal. People ask me, well, why do you still deal with this person, or why do you still do that, or why? Because I understand why we're bitter. I understand the system. I understand what, I understand the conditioning. And I understand I'm a product of that very same thing. So I want people to be patient with me. I love the prayers of my grandmother and my and my um, comrades, my peers. Need their prayers and their support. So I try to be that way. But at some point in time in 2018, it's not only just about exposing, but it's about putting our foot down. It's about putting our foot down. It has to stop. It has to stop. These totalitarian dictatorships, these people setting up what they feel like the movement should be. If the movement is about mass participation, if the movement is about the masses of African oppressed people right here in the United States, then those people have a say in the direction of that movement. That's why it's called a movement. And this is what we have to start to look forward to and start to in, interact, uh, enact. These are some of the things that move me to my passion. Fire me up. I'm tired. I think, brothers and sisters, it comes to a point where we must begin to get tired of what we're going through. We have to get sick of it. And we have to start to... It's not about, to me, it's not so much about exposing anybody. We're going to expose you doing this and that sister doing that. It's not about that. Nobody can tie my name to anything that has exposed anyone. And I know some damn stuff. But what's the purpose? If I have a problem with you, I address you. And if it is super detrimental (coughs) to the community, and you're an enemy of the community, then, then I have an obligation to the black community to expose you as a threat and an enemy to the community. But we have to get out of this, this sheltering and shielding, tolerating this foolishness. And my mouth is close to my ears. I've tolerated so, many, so much foolishness throughout the years. I'm done. 2018 is done. Let's go to our phone lines. I didn't got on the tirade. I appreciate everyone being patient with that. Tirade is just something else. Let's go to our phone lines, 859 
1092. I'll bow to the people. I'll bow to the people, Queen. You take my power. Um, yeah. <laughs> I am because I, I just am. I, but you, you dropped some truth in it. You know, and some of the other ones that the brother did too. And I just appreciate because I did have a lot of, you know, my people get on tonight and, um, to, you know, really listen to the political education part of this. Um, but I, I really, the whole black love thing, well, this is my opinion. You know, I feel like your personal relationships, you cannot throw that in the category of black love. That's your personal relationships because what you go through with another brother or what you go through with a sister is your business. You don't put that in the movement because I, I feel you shouldn't put that in the movement like that because the simple fact, if it goes wrong, well, you, you get bitter and you throwing that out there like this is how it is, and this, especially when you got the young ones coming in. I see back love as the, these elders that's on this phone right now, they're still moving. You know what I'm saying? They're still pushing and pushing us to do what we need to do to better ourselves, to become self-efficient, and, and and build our communities. That's black love. Everything I do for my people is through black love. I'm black. I love my people. My people black. I love my people. You know, so the, to me, that's black love. I think, you know, we're going kind of overboard with the, you know, I, it, it was just, it, it was really too much. You know what I'm saying? Your personal thing is your personal thing. You know, I, I just don't think you should take black love to that type of level because, you know, you people will go through things in relationships. It's just as simple as that. And if you have a bad day in the relationship, black love is terrible. But the next day y'all might make up and it's a beautiful thing again. So, I mean, black love is your, the work, the work that you put in. You know, the encouragement, the if you you know somebody that's going through something and it's I, I just don't see it as being lumped up in that part of a personal relationship with just a man and a woman. You know what I'm saying? Where they're intimate and stuff like that, I, I just don't. I see it as the work being done. I, like I said, I give much respect to the elders that's on the line. That's black love right there. I love it. I, all this black love that's going on and the brother's dropping this knowledge and the sister dropping knowledge. And, you know, we don't even actually know where she was really going with that. But, you know, you, that's what she she feels needs to come together more. I mean, hey, but. Each one teach one. That's something I can say. But you know, stay strong. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. I mean, keep dropping them jewels, and we'll keep listening. All power to the people. All power to the people. Power to the people. Huh? All power to the people. You want to say some? Say some. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I want to. I want to totally agree with the sister because you know, you know, behind the wall, you know, all you got is camaraderie. You know what I'm saying? That's all you have. You know what I'm saying? And it's plenty of black love. I agree with her totally. You know what I'm saying? Black love is, you know, it's the strength. It's, it's the bond. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it's what we building on, not knowing each other at all. We building on black love. That's our foundation. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, you know, I, I applaud that. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm agreeing with the social so black power. Black, Black power. power. Black power. Jeremy Carter, like you want to say something? Yes, sir. 
One is that we have to understand that the one thing that the enemy uh, definitely do not want is that relationship between male and female. He will come in the house to uh, break that up. Uh, he has been doing that for years, for years and years. Uh, the love that we have, you can't be a revolutionary without having love. Now, you can be a counter-revolutionary uh, fronting, but in order for it to be part of this work, you must love. And love, in many times, is a burning fire. It burns, but you have to stay on course because knowing the condition of our people, and I end this by giving this little poem. And listen very closely because this is a poem is us, and it's addressed what you talked about, Chairman Yanga, and uh, what the sister talked about. And you done heard it before, and I said in many places I travel, and it's a sweet, short poem, and it called Jesus Just Us, and it's a symbolic. There was a woman who was named Mary who was pregnant and lived in Nazarene, the ghetto, but we're not allowed to live in the end like you and I were not allowed to live in a holiday inn. Born in a manger, in a barn, in a slave quarter that you and I. Son, nailed to the cross like you and I are nailed to the crossroad, don't know where we're going. Our hands nailed where we can't provide for our family and can't protect ourselves. I'm talking about Jesus and us. That still was not enough. They nailed his feet. To the crossroad, but if we don't know which way we're going, where we can stand like a man, and where we can run and flee to freedom, Jesus just us. It's still one out enough, and this is where the love come in. They pierce his side, where he pierced his heart, and they killed his heart. But now we jealous and envy of each other, where we despise each other to the point where we kill each other because our heart been punched. That still was not enough. Then he put a crown on our head, and this is why neo-colonialism come, put a crown on philosophy, ideology, and ideology, where we don't lost our mind. And that still was not enough. Put us in the tomb, the prison, the industrial complex throughout America. And that still was not enough. But we still rose and we still risen. And that's why I say when we look at the symbolic, we are looking at ourselves. If the creator we're thinking like you and I were thinking there would be no being left on this planet because we all make mistakes, all make mistakes. But because there's mercy in the heavens, there should be mercy. When we see our brother and sister make a mistake and we go to them in the proper way and to correct them, constructive criticism, not destructive criticism, not I'm going to criticize you because I'm jealous, not I'm going to criticize you because you hold some type of leadership, I'm coming to you out of love. And I say this, our mom and daddy should spank us, and I never understood what they said. This hurt me more than it hurt you. But they couldn't tell me that when I was a boy because my ass was being tore up. So sometimes we come hard. And we come hard because of the love. And if we actually feel that love, then we accept that and say, Comrade, I stand corrected, and you were right, and we move forward. But if we get that aggregate, house Negro attitude, then we're going to say, oh, man, forget you, nigga. But no, if we truly love the movement like we say we love the movement, then you and your companion become one, and you struggle with that. And our people 
we have been damaged. Ain't nobody lived under this type of slavery in history like you and I have lived upon it, and we still struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that the ancestors is still smiling. The day yeah. when our struggle start, that's that's the end of everything. But it will never end. And I let everybody ready to know. Let the enemy know they have a better chance trying to put the damn sun out than to mess with us because we coming. Black power. Right on. Black power. All power to oppress people. Tell me, Chanel, you better watch your own thing, brother. You, would you like to say something and contribute to something that's going on? That's going on. No, I, I haven't been quiet, Chairman. I've been uh, I've been listening and meditating. Um, you kind of describe what a protracted struggle is. And... Um, you know, that's where we're at. We're not in the Russian-style struggle. We're more or less in a, a mixture. Part of that mixture is a, a Chinese kind of struggle where we recognize that certain terms and certain classifications do not fit the lower-class people or those people that don't have any pain. They're out there suffering. That's what Mao Zedong was when he was saying about a protracted struggle. Because at every village that he went to, he had to win over the minds and the hearts yes. of the people. And that was the Cultural Revolution. He had to go through that in the thousand-mile march. And that was part of it. He couldn't win the country back unless he won the people back. Now, part of that protracted revolution that he had to go through dealt with breaching the hearts and minds of the citizens. He had to understand from those citizens that lived in that local village what it is that they were going through and how they were suffering and how many of them wanted to join his revolution. That's how it was done, and that's how they was able to be successful. That's the protracted revolution. And all that came about, like the brothers have said before and the sisters said, is because of the black love, or in that case, the Chinese love that they have for one another. They love one another. They love one another enough to know that it was important for them to go through and say, "Look, how are you suffering? This is what we can do. Do you want to join us?" And they join them, and the rest, you know, is history. They're the second powerful economic country in the world. So, protracted scrub struggle, it worked for us. The brother's correct. We are free people that have been made slaves. That's what we're we're supposed to teach our people. We are free people. I understand what the sister is saying. I just think that it's the wrong platform. The funny thing about social media is that they opened up this situation in communication that everybody can talk about anything they want to talk about when they want to talk about it because they provided them with all these different means and ways to do it. So they don't have no boundaries. Now, if you don't have no boundaries in what's coming out your mouth, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you because I have enough respect for myself. Yes. I have enough respect for myself and for what I believe in to know when to engage and when to stand down. It says in the revolution that many are called, but few are chosen. There's a reason for that. 
everybody ain't of revolutionary material. Some are, are, are reactionary material. I doubt if some people know what the real definition of a paper tiger is. But I don't want to get into that part of political education on your program at this time. But I think you touch base on a lot of the issues that you raise. The cultural significance of our revolution, the social, and by the way, to the other chairman, very well said about the socialization of our people. I wish I could have said it as good as you. But Chairman Yang, and you touched on all four of them, the cultural, the social, the political, and the revolutionary. This thing couldn't die if people wanted it to die, and they do want it to die, and they try to kill it a thousand fucking times. It's here, and it's here to stay. We will be here when they're gone. We'll still be here. The salvation of this country rests in the hands of the black man, believe it or not. And I can prove it. Somebody asked God one time. He is confused. He said, with everything going on with mankind, he said, where do you hide the treasures at? You say that you put the treasures in man. Well, where's the treasures at? And God told him, he says, inside of them. So inside of all of us is that treasure. We just got to find it. We have so much, so much hurt, so much pain, so much anger that we can't see what's inside of us. We can't see the truth inside of us. We can't see the healing power inside of us, like the brother said, with the seed. We don't get it. We can't see it. So because we don't get it and because we don't see it, we think it don't exist and we think the opposite is the truth. That's unfortunate. I'm going to pray for that sister, right? Of course, she probably don't give a damn, but whatever, because that's my job. As far as having dealings with her, that had never happened because I won't allow that kind of negative thinking, that kind of negative behavior, and those kind of negative attacks on the things that we're trying to do, that won't happen, right? As far as being able to fill these people out and find, out and find out who they are, they'll tell on themselves. They'll tell on themselves. Power to the people. Power to the all power power to, to the, the people. All power to the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, I think that one, think of that things, too, one of the things, too, let me see, I'm getting an echo. Chairman, I'm gonna put you on mute real quick. Okay. No, I cut it off. Okay. Um, I cut it off. Uh, okay. You know, one of the things that and and we talk about that when we talk about the revolutionary cultural political politicalization, the socialization um, of of a people, that is what we suffer from. We suffer from this individualism, this whole materialistic, uh, capitalistic understanding that we've embraced. As a people, you know, when we went through, when we thought we had made some headway and made some type of um, some type of advancement, we began to lose that sense of communalism. Uh, I like what you said to go back to a point you had made about the social media and about responsibility, about holding ourselves in check. There used to be a time that when something affected our community, it stayed within our community. We would address it amongst ourselves. I can remember my grandmother telling me when I went out to remember that I carry I carry the weight of my people on my shoulders. 
she would say, you know, remember who you are, be mindful of what you do, because basically the world is looking at you. She wouldn't say it in outright, but in so many words, she would say, you black, and the world is judging you. And the rest of young black men are gonna that come after you are going to be judged by the president's you set. And now we have gotten so, we have assimilated mentally, so because definitely not physically, and society hasn't definitely accepted that assimilation that we're fighting so hard to obtain. But we have totally assimilated so much that we think that it's okay to attack one another, to berate one another, and belittle one another without any probable cause, without constructive criticism, openly, to the detriment of us as a people. And when when we when I talked about the three things, the three one of the three institutions used to um, act as a counterinsurgency or a counter to counteract the revolutionary movement or the progressive movement of oppressed people in America, specifically African people in America, is the media. And when we do that, it's bad enough that other people control our image, that they paint us out to be the most brutal, barbaric, insane, uh, unloving, uncaring human beings to walk the planet Earth. I mean, just savage. But that we continue to perpetrate that. When we behave like we behave to one another, then we go, we look crazy when there's no outcry. Then we talk about human rights, when there's no outcry against the blatant discrimination of our human rights. But you're looking at a people, like I said on my Thursday show, children have been dying by the numbers from gun violence, by the numbers. And there's no outcry, no outpour. No people saying anything about it. There they go again, gang violence. They need to, you know, stop this. More police in their community. That's what we need to do. Law and order speeches from politicians. You let, and and, and these are our black children dying by the numbers. You let a white boy walk into school and shoot two white children? They're talking about gun reform. They're talking about bans on firearms. Everything, it's an outcry, an international, not just a national, an international outcry because of the image. When the people don't see you as human, they, they're removed, they're detached from that. It's called dehumanizing the victim. They're detached from that. And we allow that by not only not us controlling our image, but by us still <laughs> propagating and um, continue, you know, feeding into that, to what they say. So there has to be some accountability. There has to be some checks for self. And it goes back to a matter of survival. We have to elevate past this just being a cool thing. When we studied the original passage, it wasn't just a cool thing to don a leather jacket and a beret. That meant something. You know, now the movement has become a sideshow. It's been something cool to belong to. You got your red, black, and green beads. You're spitting your revolutionary, your so-called revolutionary jargon. And it's a cool thing, but not a way of life. Until it becomes a way of life, and we see that it is imperative for the survival of oppressed people and African people in America, we will never fully grasp this thing. And we see, because when you realize that it's imperative to your survival as an oppressed person, put yourself secondary to the movement. You begin to put yourself secondary to what's advantageous to African people. Now, am I saying there again?
to reiterate, am I saying that any of us are perfect? No. Am I not saying that any of But you can't study any predecessor, any revolutionary, from even some of your greatest heroes that a lot of you revolutionaries like to call out, from Che Guevara, uh, 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 Lenin, Trotsky, uh, Black Malcolm, whoever, that mistakes weren't made. And that even when you read in their memoirs and their writings, that they would tell you that mistakes were made. But had they given up, had they listened to the naysayers and the criticism that came in, then they would have stopped right then and there. But they realized that we don't lose, we learn. Hear me when I tell you, brothers and sisters, we're not losing, we are learning. And as long as we continue to learn, there's always a chance. Like Chairman Trinnell said, that the revolution is innate, in the, na- in the nature of any free people to want to reclaim that freedom. Chairman Carl, you heard him say that they have a better time trying to put out the sun than uh, people trying to uh, then us stop fighting for our liberation. So with that, in my closing, in my final minutes, I tell you, don't give up the fight. Continue your political education. Continue the hard work. Still be committed. Still have the love for what you do. There are going to be dark days, and there are dark days ahead of you. I don't sit here. I'm not going to sell you any utopia. When you love your people, when you love liberation, for all, when you love humanity, which you are a mighty part of, the father and mother of civilization, when you love that, then there will be nothing to deter you. There will be nothing to hold you back. Hold on to that. Hold fast to that. I appreciate everyone taking out the time to listen. Thank you. I really appreciate the heads of these organizations coming on. Queen Nikki with the Black Panther Party, Queen, Black Panther Party, um, Black Guard, Chairman Trinnell, San Diego, Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, Chairman Kahar, Black Panther Party, um, Cleveland, Ohio, National Director of the uh, Panther Education Committee. I'm your host, National Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Thank you for coming on this Tuesday and listening, having this political education with us. Tune in Thursday, which is the forum, and that's why I issue verbiage alert. It gets a little rough. It's the forum. It's not quite political education. It's just real talk by some real brothers and sisters who are trying to come up with um, solutions. And I leave you as I greet you. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power. All the I'll power to the people. One time. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front. My face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib. One God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood. Mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be, my time is up, with my luck I got up, the cops shot again, bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken, ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rap, to the death of it, to everybody, come on, Little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more 
warriors soon Shit from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chase The street sweepers and coppers Sick up kids with no conscience Leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die With nines out This is what nines about Nigga, the time is now I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need is one mic, one mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. Yeah. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six winners to you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is fair. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Tasting revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years. Too many times now. I'm strapped with a couple of max. Too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy. Load up the semis. Do more than just hold huh? explode the clip until you empty. There's nothing in our way. They bust, we bust, they rush, we bust. Oh, I, That's why I feel it. I feel it in my gut that we take these bitches to war. Lie them down, cause we stronger now. My nigga, the time is now. All I need is one mic. One mic. All I need, All I need. All I need is one mic. One mic. nothing else in the world. All I need is one mic. One mic. All I need, need is this thing, no. All I need is one mic. All I need is one life, one try, one breath on one man. What I stand for, speak for itself. They don't understand and want to see me on top. Too egotistical, talking all that slick shit the same way these bitches do. Wonder what my secret is. Niggas will move on you only if they know what your weaknesses. I have none. Too late to grab guns, I'm blasting. Cause I'm a fool, nigga. Thought I wouldn't have that ass done. Fool you, niggas. What you call an infinite brawl? Eternal souls flashing. World gets deep. Some beef is everlasting. Complete with dick stars. Brothers knifing each other up and flipping y'all. Drama, where does it start? You know the block was ill as a youngster Every night it was like a cop would be killed Body found in the dumpster, for real a hustler Purchased my range, niggas throwing dirt on my name Jealous cause fiends got they working to play Bitches left me cause they thought I was finished Shoulda knew she wasn't true, she came to me When a man caught a sentence, diamonds are blinded I never make the same mistakes Moving with a change of pace, light a load See now the king is straight, swelling my melon Cause none of these niggas real hurting were Telling police, how can a kingpin squeal? This is crazy, I'm on the right track I'm finally found, you need some soul searching, the time is now. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, All I need is one mic, one mic. That's all I ever needed in this world. Fuck cash, all I need is one mic, one mic. Fuck the cars, the jewels. 